Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara and I'm here with my co-host and brother, Devin. Hello. How's it going, Devin, today? I am excited to be here and be here with you. How you doing, Dev? I'm doing great. I am ready to do some quoting. Awesome. Do it for us. We discover and invent new ways of finding out the same old things. Now, now that quote, it seems to be a lot of people kind of have said that, right? In in various different ways, um, you know, it's the same old stuff, that type of thing. Or, but I, I thought that was a clever way of saying it. Inventing right. new ways of finding out the same old things. Yeah, yeah, right. I think, <clears throat> um, I think that is the uh, the kind of the mindset behind behind tools which is what we'll get into a little bit but behind doing things and making things and using um using tools to make things right that you have you have to find a way you have to get from your brain come up with the imagery in your head and then you make something to make that thing Mm -hmm. um so you have an end goal and you have to get there some way and what are you doing? Are you riding a scooter? Are you riding a motorcycle? Are you riding a, f- a Ferrari? <laughs> How are you getting from one place to another? And the tools that we use are, is that avenue from one place to the other. But it's, like you said, the same old, it's a different thing to do the same yeah. thing. Yeah, they're inventing new ways to do the same thing. <clears throat> right. Now, that obviously could be the material, like tools, old tools, new things, cars, faster cars. Or it could be the people... Any social situations we have constantly in human history seem to just loop and loop and loop. Right. Like nothing's new. We think times are tough, but right. this is, uh, n- nothing's new here. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. All this stuff has happened. Pandemic, social issues, race, all that stuff has just happened over and over and over and over. And we think we're going to come up with some new way to fix it, but who knows? I mean, we can try. Right. We can give it a shot, but yeah, good luck. Right, exactly, and it goes back to there is a way <clears throat> about you know transversing this life, and there's a route uh, to that way, and whether that is like you know a symbol of a tool, like a hand tool, like a mm. screwdriver, right? Right. A screwdriver is going to screw in a screw, 
<laughs> that's its purpose. And now you might have a drill and you might have, you know, then a power drill or, you know, a corded drill and a cordless drill, or you might have different types of screwdriver heads, but you know, and different types of bits and all sorts of different things. But really the goal is to do this one thing. And you have this, this main, this heart of your idea that is leading you to do this thing. Mm. Um, and I like how you kind of related it back to like the world around us, the social issues and all everything that we're dealing with. Right. To me, that thing, which is a whole nother topic is like, is, is our, our idea of love and our idea, idea, idea of, you know, being good to each other. Right. The, the basic, um, it, and that, that's right. And the answers usually come around to the same old thing. Right. <laughs> People are inventing new ways. It's like, yeah, well, just be good to each other. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Go back to the screwdriver, right? It serves its purpose in a, in a good way. Let's, let's not try to figure out a different way around this. Well, until, until, the until they came up with the Phillips. <laughs> well, you know, it's a Phillips head screwdriver, so it's still a screwdriver. It just, it just drives a different type of That's head, true. different type yeah. of screw. Yeah. Flathead, Phillips head, star bits. Yeah, Flatheads head. are rough. <laughs> no, I don't know, though. You know, there's something really beautiful about a flathead screwdriver and a flathead screw. Um, there's, you know, if I'm going to look at a screw that's visible in a piece of furniture or, um, you know, on a tool or something, I want that to be that flathead. Yeah, but I think Ideally, that's... Maybe brass or... I, I would say that's because just it's an older thing. You think of I don't like... Know. I don't you think, think so. of maybe. antique things and antique tools when you see a flathead screw in something. When you see yeah. Phillips, it's you know almost immediately it's a modern thing. If right. you saw an old tool with a Phillips or some piece of furniture that's supposed to look nice, right? But it's got that, and immediately you know well it looks nice, but it's it's new. Yeah, but I mean that is it is what it is. That's a that's a real reaction. It's a reaction to there's something there's something uh, I don't know elegant about it. But mm-hmm. I, I see what you're saying, right? At the time they yeah. invented it, it was just another tool. Right. It was but their best, it best like, way they had. Right. And at the time they were it. going, they were saying, oh, it's just a, a screw. They, they didn't even have, they didn't even want to use nails. They're too lazy right. to nail and, and do <laughs> and do proper <laughs> joints. They had to screw it in. <laughs> yeah. Or, or talking about uh, improved toy tools, like an impact wrench or uh, right. stuff like that. Um, man, we, I, uh. Had to change out the brakes on the Jeep. Oh, nice. And uh, picked up some uh, relatively cheap ones, I guess. They were like 30 bucks for the whole pack for the two front uh, tires. Right. And, uh, yeah, yeah like Drew, the, Drew um, came up with his little... Uh, oh, the impact s- wrench? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think it was mud. <laughs> so good, man. Those bolts come flying off. Yeah, right. And I'll say that was the easiest brake change I've ever done because I guess I, I'm used to doing like 20 plus years old vehicles. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so something that's 2014 was like, are you tell me nothing's like rusted shut? I have to like bang on it with a hammer to get it free, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, change the disc brakes; everything comes off nice and easy. Right, all the hinges a... still are like greased and swinging. Oh, and so all. nice. <laughs> We're done. I drew and I, my brother and I had uh, had set up. We had like lights out and a bunch of beer and stuff. I don't even think either of us finished a beer, and the light wasn't needed. <laughs> You're like, well, like, now we have plenty of time uh, to hang out and drink beer. <laughs> I guess we're done. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, it's one of those, one of those uh, uh, car 
you know, things that you can do on your own. It's kind of one of those first things that people do when you, when you start working on cars, you're like, okay, what can I, you know, is there something that I can do on my own? Do I not have to take this to a shop while well, mm. changing like brake pads is one mm-hmm. of those things, you know, you can do pretty easy. They're relatively it, inexpensive. It is. You know? Yeah. It's such a, a price jump from you doing it to yeah. them doing it. Right. Yeah. And, exactly. the, and the material cost is so cheap in comparison right. to everything else on your car, brake pads, you know, Anywhere from twenty to sixty bucks is you know, right. Really cheap for car parts. Um, yeah, but Drew had all the tools, so I had him come up, and we knocked it out real quick. Right. Um, yeah, I guess that's the other thing, right? You have to have the wherewithal to do it. You have to have the mindset to be able to do it, to be a, to well, be yeah. a maker, right? To yeah. be a, someone who's going to take that step and do it on your own. But then you also have to have the tools to be able to right. do it too. Um, I mean, you know, you could do it with the basic tools, but. Nice and it's funny. It's one of the things that a lot of people do, but it's such an important thing that if you mess it up or you put them on wrong, like a lot of things, I mean, there are your brakes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you screw that up or put them, install them wrong, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, it's not one of those things that <clears throat> you choose to do on your own lightly. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's a fairly easy thing and it's, it's hard to mess up because there's a spot for them. They fit into that spot exactly. You know, right. Fit on, so you bolt, feel like it's in. right, but right. <clears throat> if it goes wrong, it goes really wrong. If you've done it wrong, <laughs> you're really in trouble. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've got four brakes, so <laughs> well, yeah, use them for all your wheels and <laughs> just your front brakes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I was talking to the guy, and he said he's never replaced brakes until the rotors are gone, too. <laughs> like, the what? And he's such a, uh, let's say, fiscally responsive, responsible person. <laughs> I'm like, you're wasting money there. You're throwing money away. Was, yeah, exactly. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the difference between a 30 or $40 fix and then a couple hundred dollar fix. Right, right. You got to get the whole set. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I can't imagine getting to that point. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, it only takes your, your a few times are... of you hearing that. I know, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh man! You can feel it in the pedal and the brake. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You start hearing that squeak occasionally, and then you, yeah. Once you feel that, which I know I have before, because I'm a procrastinator. So <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, we let it go all the way down until yeah. you hear it. <laughs> Until okay, to, 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 so your car starts your shaking rotors anyway so <laughs> you probably shouldn't replace them <laughs> what have you been up to this week dev um you know changing out brakes and uh yeah. no i finally just got done the uh chinese sewing machine video yes and that's awesome. actually sitting there for you to watch after the podcast if you want mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's uploaded and ready um awesome i think it turned out good um Cool. Put some nice long areas with no music. You just you working on it, and um, there's I cut out a lot. I feel like, and it's still 24 minutes. So, <laughs> like yeah. I cut out the whole middle uh, string you used, right? That yeah. thicker stuff because you know we I showed something you putting it on, trying to figure it out, the needle failing, yeah. and you talking about different string or twine. Right. Then I just jumped to you switching because I'm not going to go to the last one over yeah. and over showing the same thing over and over. Right. So yeah. I cut that whole bit out and then just went straight to the end where it worked. <laughs> nice. But, uh, you know, made sure we showed the failure and, and, right, of course. and you thinking yeah. about fixing it and talking about fixing it. Right. And then having something that worked after you kind of figure it out. And then, you know, you talk about how you got to go back and maybe there's some tension tweaking you can do, but you also have to find the right line for it to work. Right. Um, yeah, 
but now I think it turned out good. So that'll be coming out probably tomorrow. Actually, we'll be when this comes out. Oh, already be out. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, check right. It, Today's check. Wednesday, so it'll be out on Thursday, and then yeah, check it out. Check it's out our uh, working title right now. <laughs> check out the working title video, which now will have a title when you check it out. <laughs> something about a leather sewing machine. Sewing machine, Stitcher, Chinese, something. Something. Is it worth or, it? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> you you'll know exactly how to find yeah. it. <laughs> the art of craftsmanship on YouTube. It'll be the most recent video. That, I just uploaded. That, that's right. <laughs> um, and I guess we can, it's happened, it's happening to us both, I guess we're mm. getting the, um, silver award from YouTube yeah. in the mail. Yeah. Right on. Um, I don't know. We haven't even talked about that. Uh, what, what we're going to do or right. when I'll come yeah. over, if we want to do a live stream and unbox it. Cause I don't necessarily want to do a, just an unboxing video of it. Right. Yeah. No, I, agree. I think a lot of people have done, people know what it looks like and. Yeah, I think a live stream is a good idea. Yeah. Um, you know, since we're still kind of quarantining, which if you listen to last week's podcast, um, my uh, coworker of my wife was uh, um, positive for COVID. So she, we've been, she's been home since last Wednesday. Today is Wednesday. She's been home for a week. And um, by this point, um, she had, she did two tests. One, uh, the first one came back negative and the second one came back negative. So, uh, pretty good should be fine. I mean, those are still kind of early on. Um, so they, they, even though you get to, you know, you get your negative, uh, response back, um, they still want you to quarantine for the full two weeks afterward. Cause it can lay dormant and, you know, it can, it can show up later. So, but we're all, you know, we have no symptoms or anything. So I think we're in the clear, but you never know. So when, because of that, we are not, we're not, we haven't been filming for the last two weeks or right. last week. And then it'll be another, you know, another week or so, a couple of days maybe. Okay. So well, yeah, I think a live stream's good. Yeah. We'll figure cool. out what time to open that up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. Originally I got an email saying that we would get that, that silver play button on Tuesday. And then like shortly after that email, I got a second email that was like, actually it's been delayed. It'll be Thursday. So today is Wednesday. It should be here tomorrow. And, uh, Maybe I'll post a picture on Instagram of the box and see uh, who can guess what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's in the box? Another what's in the what's box? What's in the box? Show. What's in the box? <laughs> I, uh, uh, yeah, anything else, Dad? Anything else in your, in your neck of the woods? I was going to say real quick, how much, did I tell you how much the replacement, the second, because you can order a second plaque. Right. And we were right, thinking yeah. about it so I could have one at my house and Dustin yeah. could have one in the shop. Right. Um, did, do you know how much it is? Did I tell you? No. No, you didn't tell me. T- take a guess. Uh, let's see. Um, you didn't tell me how much it was, so that means it couldn't have been too expensive. Um, so an extra play button. I'll tell you, I didn't, I didn't buy it. Oh, I didn't go oh. ahead with buying it yet. Oh, you didn't buy it. Okay. Uh. Hmm. And I don't know if I will. <laughs> okay, so then maybe it is more expensive. Uh, $200. One fifty. Dang. So not terrible, but also not great. Yeah, that's... that's. I'm right. Yeah. Is, that, is that what it's worth, or are they making money off of that? I yeah, thought that definitely. if they give you one award and they... For free, they right? YouTube gives you free, and that's yeah. nice enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And then... It's. I guess it's nice also that they do offer it up if you want a second one. If there's, 
right. more people, more people in your channel than just one, or you need you want it in multiple places. But uh, yeah, I was like maybe like fifty bucks. Yeah, right. Then I'm sure they're not making any money off of it, but they're just covering their costs. Right. Like if you want one extra, if you ask for ten, then maybe you can go. Hey, hang on, but. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know. I mean, by getting to the point of having a hundred thousand subscribers, we are making a ton of money for YouTube. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. You know, we're. I mean, not a ton of money, but the the amount of people who have that amount of subscribers and above, and people who are um, monetized, every you know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of YouTube's channel YouTube channels. Oh yeah, we're definitely making them thousands of dollars yeah. for sure. Yeah. Right. Um you would think, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe not, but I don't know, I'll think a little bit more about it. Um Right, maybe we'll have like a uh it'll be like a um a divorced parents situation where like, you know, you get it on holidays and weekends. Yes. Yeah. I get it on the weeks. <laughs> or we get to a million and I I get the million plaque. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, which one do you want? Well, you got to bring it over with you when we film in the shop. <laughs> I can live with you at home. You just keep it in your bag and bring it, hang it up during I, filming. I need something cool to put in my office. <laughs> yeah, you know. Just, Let me yeah. get photocopies of them. I can get them. I'll, I'll get a picture of myself for you and I'll sign it and you can put that up. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, funny. Um, but that is cool. Yeah, we'll be getting that. We just. You know, that's one of those things you don't ever really think about getting to when you start a channel. Yeah. Like, you know, just those like the people far off in the distance is an idea that some people get those play buttons, you know. <laughs> and it's such a it's smart cool. thing for YouTube to do because it's such yeah. a, a cheap, it's like any company that does that. They right. give you a little glass thing with your name on it after you've worked for them for 10 years, <laughs> you know, and everyone gets all yeah. excited <laughs> and it costs the company nothing. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then they just, they just had to come up with the uh, was it ten million? Um, yeah, they did the, the crystal 10 million. button, whatever. They, yeah. I think it was like PewDiePie or somebody had the first one. Or oh, a million's gold. Then there's ten million, which is diamond. Yeah, and I think there's another one now. There might be a hundred fifty million, or no, fifty or a hundred million. I don't know if anyone's there yet. I don't know. Yeah, it's. Yeah, they're like, okay, now what do we do? Because then like get to the next point. Like someone's gonna. Oh yeah, that story. um, a dummy James Corden got one. The late <laughs> night guy, he yeah. sings with everybody. Oh, drives me nuts. <laughs> I don't think I don't think people who have a network show should have, and then yeah. put clips onto YouTube should be. I mean, whatever. They're making money for YouTube also, right? But it's not the same. They're not YouTubers, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I know what you mean. It's like, um, just as an example, one of the ones I've seen is like, uh, is like Beyonce, right? Beyonce has a YouTube channel, or at least it's it's called Beyonce, right? Yeah. And she has millions of followers and millions of subscribers. Right. And she's just like music, her music videos. Yeah. You know, it's all it is. So it's like those people are making, you know, a decent amount of money because they're just putting up their stuff on youtube which is what we're all doing i guess but <laughs> i don't know right it's like a second thought or it's like someone it's like those channels who just put together clips of other people's stuff right you're not yeah. creating anything i don't know if i don't know if they're also getting awards for just curating other people's work 
Right. Um, and whenever one of those channels, you know, asks to like or subscribe, I never do. Yeah. So you just took the top 10 whatevers and showed them. You showed other people's stuff. Like, no, you're not. Right. I'm not subscribing to you. Yeah, exactly. You got me I, once I, with the clickbaity <clears throat> title, and I watched it. But damn <laughs> if I'll subscribe. <laughs> and I might watch another one because then it'll, like, introduce me to other channels. <laughs> there are some. And, and we got some people, um, I think, earlier on when we first started getting some um, correspondence from people who were interested in, you know, working with us as a channel. There were quite a few um, organizations like that or cha- other, like, uh, you know, promoters like that that would w- wanted to work with us and they pull or they asked right yeah, can we right. can we edit down your video and put it in this other right yeah we've got millions of followers and there you know and yes there is something to that um but yeah i don't know how much traffic that you know i don't think i've ever watched one of those top 10 like invention videos and then like right. researched the person you know i just watched that video i'm done yeah right I don't. I don't go in the description below to to find out who it was or. Yeah, yeah. You would hope that that's what people would do, and I think that's what they're that's what they're like angling at. That you know you're going to get a bunch of it's, viewers from us. Yeah, it's yeah, the old maybe. money, no money, exposure thing. Right. Yeah. Do it for exposure. Yeah. Exactly. yeah Let's use your the... content so we can expose you, <laughs> uh, and then. <laughs> We're going to make thousands of dollars off this one video, and here's a link. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's I, and uh, it's funny there that also often in uh, the Knife Talk podcast, I'll talk about that where someone will be like, you know, send me one of your knives and I'll use it and everyone will see it. You know, like, that's some <laughs> bullshit. Like you can go and buy one of my knives if you if you want to use it so much. Like I'm not sending you anything for free. <laughs> right. It's the influencer you know? thing. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of people do that. I don't think smaller companies want to do that. Right. And if they do, they will do that on their own. Yeah. Like, hey, I wanted to send you this. I think right, you'll exactly. like it. And yeah. then they, but that's only if they like the person beforehand. But if you got some random quote unquote influence who, influencer who wants you to use or wants to use your stuff for free. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the difference. There's, there's a um, kind of a degree of humility, I guess, in that where if you are a maker of something and, and you are interested in someone else using it, you'll usually reach out to that person or those people and say, Hey, can I send you this and you use it? And like, let me know what you think. And then maybe they will. And maybe then they'll talk about it and maybe you'll get a bunch of customers from it. Right. But it shouldn't really be the other way around. Like, Hey, send me this for free so I can use it because I've got a ton of people who watch me. But like you can, <laughs> you can share that up their ass. That's what you can do. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what have, have, um, yeah. What have you been doing? I've been busy. I've, uh, you know, I'm here at home. I can't shoot any videos. I've just been like down in the shop each day. It's funny. Um, I didn't respond, um, cause I couldn't think of a good thing to respond to, but Brian has put up a question on, um, on the uh, work for a podcast, uh, Instagram page as well as his page for housework and asked about like what people do in the shop in their downtime. And, uh, I was like, that's really true. I mean, I, I find myself just going down to the shop and kind of getting started something or just looking around for something to work on <laughs> just because it's like, ah, you know, I'm in a space 
that now has everything in it that I could want to use to make something ideally, you know, it's not everything, but, but there's, if for the things that I do like to make the things, my interests, you know, everything is there and it's like, I've got stuff to work on. So just being in the shop, you know, and you have so many different things ready to go that there's right. There's always something if you want to start a new ax or hang something else or right. Or, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been up to. So I, I, um, went down, um, clean the shop, you know, it's always nice to clean up and stuff. And every time I do something and I'm, I'm like, get the shop clean. And then I do a project and then it's a mess again. And I'm like, how did this happen so quickly? You know, like, but, uh, <laughs> I think not filming like every couple days is then the shop gets more and more dirty because I don't have to clean it up. Right. That's one of the nice things I've always said about filming in the shop is that I have to keep it clean because, it's got to be a, you know, a studio space as well. Right. Which is nice. Um, but, uh, but I've been, I've been on a good string of like posting on Instagram, which I think is important for mm. just exposure and to keep people, um, like in, in keeping communication with people. Yeah. Especially when, you know, different times of the year when for one reason or another, we can't put out as many videos as quickly, you know? So just kind of staying in that social media mindset. Um, not that I feel like, uh, people will stop watching, but it's just nice to stay in contact. It's almost yeah. like the, the whole like live stream thing. It's nice to be able to talk to people. Right. It's, and, and you know, it's, it's and, weird if someone does disappear for a while, you're like, what happened to them? Are they okay? Right. Like, no, yeah. maybe they just didn't want to engage for a month or two. Right, but then people yeah. start to forget so quickly and go. Oh, I, I guess something's oh, yeah. gone terribly yeah, wrong. Gone. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, um, <clears throat> I got. Uh, I was down in the shop again. One of those things where I was just like in the shop and had free time, so I went down and you know, looked over and saw that the uh, the wooden jaws of my vice were all smashed and cracked up. I think, I think that happened when I was working on an axe handle or something recently. Um, mm. And so I, I was like, you know, I, I thought about kind of taping them back together, you know, briefly across through my mind. I was like, oh, should I tape them together? Should I glue them together? I was like, what am I doing? Let me just make a new set. You know, it's just wood. Like, right. This is like the cheapest, you know, it was some hardwood. It might've been like a couple pieces of oak and then a couple pieces of MDF that were like finished nailed into right. the top to, to make right. a counterbalance that would hold it in place. I was like, what am I doing? Like, just make a new set. Like I have all. <laughs> I've tons of scrap wood in the shop. Tons, you know, right. like it's like one of those hoarder mentalities where I cut off a piece and it's bigger than my fist and I got to keep it. Cause I'm like, I'm probably <laughs> use this for something, you know, it's yeah. like, if it's skinny and weird shaped and kind of breaking, then I'll throw it away. <laughs> Otherwise right. it's like, it's just going to go into the wood shelf into the big scrap pile and make itself into something usable, which a bunch of my scrap supply wood did. So that was kind of cool. I made the, uh, the new, quote unquote soft jaws they're wooden but it's nice you know to have something that's softer um softer than metal and i did end up putting uh gluing leather on the faces as well which is a good suggestion from uh nagel house forge which if all works out okay which it should um we will have him as a guest on the podcast next week nice um made those uh i got a Uh, A package from the Three Rivers. I ordered more bowstring to be able to make a new string for the uh, the hickory bow that we put out in the video, which is doing Mm. really well, which is great. Um, so I uh, I had I ordered a pound spool of it, which in my mind I didn't really know what we ordered the previous time. 
my buddy Sean and I, who we did bow making with, and uh, we kind of split that roll. But we had ordered a quarter pound spool from the previous time, which was still a ton of bowstring. But you know, like the quarter pound spool was like nine bucks, and then the pound spool was like twenty five dollars or something. You know, so yeah, much better deal. And you know, even if even if I make let's say I don't know, let's say I make only five more bows in my lifetime for some reason, right? That's still, it's only like five bucks a bow and a bowstring, which is cheaper than <laughs> what I pay online, you know, make right. my own. And then I can like I can give some away if other people need it. I can use it for other things. One of the nice things about that weight bowstring is that it should work pretty well for uh, stitching leather. I'm not sure if it'll work in the, uh, in the machine. We'll try that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely for hand stitching, it's good. It's good material for that. Um, um, I was going to say, we, we should at least do a yearly bow with you. So, you know, yeah. hopefully in the next five years, you'll have five more bows. All right. <laughs> of all different types. Cause I mean, both our bow videos have done well. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So yeah. keep, keep doing those. <laughs> it reminds me, uh, my, uh, a little side story. <laughs> we just watched, uh, Shaun of the dead with yeah, our good. daughter. Our daughter's good 11. Movie. So Shaun of the dead's a little bit, it's, it's a little it's yeah. r because it's a little crass like yeah. there's some there's some sexual humor not a ton right and there's language you know yeah um but it's a it's a comedy zombie movie so it's not a huge huge deal but but my wife and i love that movie and we quote it all the time you know the obviously the you know kid-friendly quotes and stuff right uh, so we watch it again but it's just a great spot and when what does he say uh um you know i think uh ed will like fart and so, and then, um, what's his name? We'll, uh, we'll like laugh, you know, he'll like smell it and he'll laugh and be like, Oh, you gotta stop that. And he's like, I'll stop doing it when you stop laughing. So <laughs> I always think about that. Like, we'll stop making those videos when people stop watching them. So <laughs> we'll keep on making videos that people like to see. Uh, yeah, yeah. So made the soft jaws, um, had a fire over the weekend and I was collecting some firewood and my ax handle broke. One of my axes, oh, that's which, right. uh, which is weird. I mean, it's, I've had um, maybe two or three times in the past where I've had axe heads handles break, but not usually. What they what will happen is you you're hitting and you'll the crack will open up, right? You feel it in the handle. It's something yeah. like, you feel it crack. The head normally doesn't fly off. Well, this one just like flew off. <laughs> I was swinging in like, you know, no crack that I could see nothing, no preemptive warning, just like a smack, smack, you know, hitting, you know, chopping this piece of wood. And then all of a sudden I just fortunately didn't like fly off at me. I just like, I hit it. And as I hit, it just snapped. And so then the head just kind of spun in place on the wood and then fell on the ground. You know, mm. so, but, uh, but yeah, that's, it's always a weird thing when that happens. It's so like deflating, you know, <laughs> so yeah. I'm like out there chopping. I feel I'm like, yeah, I'm chopping wood. You know, I'm using this ax. It's really sharp. Uh, it's like ready to go. I feel like I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm on par. I'm like hitting everything. The right chips are flying. And then it's just, and the head falls off. And then you're just sitting there with a stick in your hand, <laughs> broken <laughs> handle stick. I'm like, <laughs> like, okay, I guess I'll stop now. I guess I have to, you know, collect wood like a commoner, break it over my knee. <laughs> or if only I had 30 more axes down in my shop. <laughs> I was like 200 yards away from the shop. Though, so. Oh, terrible. <laughs> no, that was funny. <laughs> my wife, Nicole, 
she uh, commented that on the post. She's like, "If only you, if only you had more access to pull from." <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I was like, "Well, that's not the point, right? The point is that this one broke." It was funny. I was like, then I pulled the, got the wood out of the eye and cleaned it up. And, and, uh, one of the things that I, I put, I did post an Instagram post about it and showed it. And I was like, you know, when in my shop, when you, when your axe handle breaks underneath of you, you get a facelift just to let you know that you're one of the, you're still a member of the team, right? <laughs> the, the thing that I, I didn't really show like before and after of that, of that axe head, but, um, it was a, uh, it's a Michigan pattern, which has, a rounded pole um it's flat on the sides you know back to the pole the end of the the end of the axe but the top and bottom are rounded so instead of just being like squared off they're rounded on the top and bottom and it's just not a, a style that i'm a, a fan of the look you know i'm right. not really a big fan of that look of that axe mm. so i took advantage of that and i just ground it flat <laughs> like right you know i had plenty of pole so I just ground it down it was it was almost exactly three pounds before I ground it. And then I, you know, I ground off maybe a quarter of an inch of steel. Nah, maybe not that probably an eighth of an inch of steel and then chamfered the end. And so now it looks more like a Dayton pattern, which I'm happy about. So <laughs> all Wait, ended that, in the, good. That's the one that broke the one. Yeah. The one that I, I did the face left to. Oh, okay. That's yeah. what you meant. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yep. But, uh, yeah. So I just, it's been nice just kind of working in the shop. I did, um, you know, put up a, a picture of an, a couple uh, axes or whatever, that I, an axe that I was going to work on um, and then clean the shop. And then that turned into a few different axes. Like, oh, I have this handle and this head and this needs to be done. And these are all things that I can do right away. You know, it's like, I, of course, I have a, a bin full of axe heads that need to be rehandled. But uh, but I had a couple that are now sitting on the table in the nice clean shop, which is nice. And like, I went down there the last couple of days. I went down yesterday. I didn't really get a chance to get down to the shop yesterday until in the evening. Um and I literally just went down because I was like, I need to take a picture of something and post it on Instagram because I haven't posted it all today. <laughs> <laughs> I got to keep in contact with no, people. Yeah, no, that's a good habit, at least once a day, right? Yeah, right. And I think, yeah, why not? You know, that's, um, I remember that's what uh, um, James Keaton, Redbeard Ops, that's what he said when we had him on the podcast. He's Daily, like, you know, yeah. just post once a day. It's yeah, it's such an easy, um, yeah. uh, such an easy thing. Right. And in, in the grand scale of the art of craftsmanship. Right. Um, to do, to have anything quick and live in social media like that, man, it's so nice. Just do yeah. it. And you're, you're done. <laughs> Take right. A and, I do, and, you know, the nice thing now about Instagram is that it's like part of Facebook. So I can post directly to Facebook at the same time. So yeah. you know, I can put it on the different groups that I'm in Facebook. And obviously I have a lot less, you know, a lot less friends on Facebook because Facebook is more about friends and family, like people you actually know. Yeah, I, I will say, groups, you know, so. I will say the, like the company, not company, I guess, or like the, when people post things like that to all of them, right. S different, uh, social media spots. It seems a little silly, like your normal Instagram thing, just right. going to you seems like, like sometimes like, Oh, Dustin really posts a lot on Facebook about this stuff that not many people are, you know, it's not like family, right? It's like, he's going on on and on about this and that. But if, if you also think, Oh, well, it's going to Instagram too. And a lot of right. people are talking to him about this thing, but if it was just you, right. As Dustin O'Hara posting like these things every day about all the stuff you make and I make it hashtagging everything. <laughs> and man, he really yeah. thinks a lot of himself. <laughs> <laughs> I know I have thought about that. And before I really got into Instagram, I did think about that from the, a few friends of mine that 
do it that way, you know? And I did have that feeling. It was like, not, not really the, like, you know, there's a lot going on. It was more just kind of, you know, I guess Facebook isn't designed necessarily that way. Right. It's more just, this is what's happening in my life that my friends and family will be interested in. Yeah. A little bit more personal. Right. So yeah, Instagram is more like free advertisement. So you can do whatever you want, post whatever you want all the time. And obviously the more like, the more uh, individual you get, you know, you post and you tag people and you talk about things and events, then people can kind of connect with you as a person. But really it's, it's that like free advertisement. Right. Um, Which Facebook is not necessarily that same thing. No. Um, Maybe we should start a, the art of craftsmanship Facebook page. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of, uh, I mean, Maybe should we TikTok? I don't even know how to TikTok. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think, uh, or maybe it's just instead of, maybe it's like when, when there are things that I know that groups on Facebook, you know, because I'm, I'm part of like bushcraft group and knife making groups and axe groups and sailing groups and stuff. If you post something like that to your personal thing, does it also go to the group on Facebook? I have to then share it from my personal uh, onto those, then you share to these different groups. So that's kind of what you're trying to do. Yeah. Going from there and sharing your own post to the groups to that, that you're groups. with, you know, ax yeah. groups, bow groups, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. I see. Right. So it's not purely just to like also post on Instagram. It's that way it's over on Instagram. So then I can then repost it from, I mean, Facebook repost it from Facebook onto the Facebook groups, which is more than just a, a community of people who are interested in the same thing that I'm posting about axes and knives and bushcraft stuff and bow making stuff. Yeah. So snobby groups, (laughs) members only. (laughs) Yeah. You applied and we'll see if we'll let you into our group. (laughs) And then I guess, you know, also uh, posting onto the community page on YouTube, but I get, I feel like I get a lot less traffic there than I do on Instagram. Maybe because people are like going to Instagram for that thing. Maybe you know, they're there to see this, like to follow people on, um, and then YouTube. I mean, I, I still do it. I still post a lot because there are potentially a lot more eyes on it through YouTube, but I guess people don't interact with it as much on YouTube. No, it's, you know, people, they want to see a video. We're here for a right. video. What, yeah. do you, what do you got for us? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think, I think we tried to like, we've posted a few and usually on Instagram, but it, sometimes we do the YouTube also about, Hey, we got a video coming out tomorrow or something, or we're working right. on a video now, and people are like, "Just put it out. What are you waiting for?" Right? Yeah, exactly. Release it. Don't, why are you, tell, don't why are you telling us about a video? <laughs> They're like, "Hey, I might not even watch your video if you offer it up to me right now, ready to play." So don't <laughs> tease me about it. <laughs> Definitely not going to watch it now. Yeah, forget <laughs> it. <laughs> Unfollow. Yeah, just put it <laughs> out, man. Like, all right. Well, for one, I'm not even done it. Yeah, right. Exactly. I just told Dustin I think we'll have it done tomorrow. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm going to work for the next four hours. I'll be yeah, up till exactly. two, and then I'll I'll start to export it. And if I get up in the morning and everything worked out, I'll watch it again, and then hopefully by lunch we can actually put it out. <laughs> it's such a hard life. <laughs> uh, um. All right. So let's get to the. Uh, I guess the, the late the theme. Yeah. Um, so I, I was kind of going through and when we, when we don't have a guest, which, you know, quite often we don't have a guest, which is fine. Um, we like to 
talk about like some of the videos and then from there we'll kind of think about a theme right or think about an idea that we want to talk about so i was kind of looking back through some of the videos and i kind of trying to it's like we have all these videos and we have we've only had our own podcast like 28 so we have to have plenty of videos there to be able to talk about so i'm going through and looking through stuff and I came across the uh, the hand plane video, um, restoring a Stanley number four hand plane. Mm. I thought it'd be kind of interesting to talk about just like the idea of tools and restoring things. And then that kind of led me to this idea of old tools versus new tools. Mm. Um, and so I kind of reached out to you. I was like, well, what if we do, what if we talk about that? What if we talk about like what it is, what it is about old tools that, that draws us in, that makes us want to use something. Cause of course, so like I can screw something in by hand, but I can also use my drill, which is right there. <laughs> I'm just going to do it right. quicker and probably more efficiently and have more torque. And, you know, right. so it's like, what is it that draws us to these old tools? Is it, is it like just a, a fashion trend? Is it just a fad? You know, like, oh, this is cool. You know, I think it might be fun to use this. These other people around me are using <laughs> these things like that might be cool. You know, but there are, there are plenty of old tools, and I, and I say old, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be old, old. It can just be something that's, you know, from from an earlier time, something that was made at a certain time and then isn't made anymore for one reason or another. And the reason why I mention that is because I, I, I am drawn to older screwdrivers, and I, so I have this kind of, when I, when I am at yard sales and things, I'll look through the bins of screwdrivers to see if I can find older ones. And I, now there are ones like from the seventies that have, you know, these kind of, um, plastic handles like craftsmen and stuff. And those are all good screwdrivers, but they don't, they don't speak to me the way some other ones do. Like I have a few Stanley's that have these like dark blue handles. Um, and they're aged just enough where some of the wood of the handle is coming through. So these wooden handles, like there's something about wood that I think is important. Mm. Mm. Um, and you know, then I have the, I have a, several of the Irwin perfect handle, um, screwdriver, which is like a full tang screwdriver with wooden wood on either side with two rivets holding on. Those are just always beautiful. And I never saw anyone using those screwdrivers. I just saw them at a yard sale one point in the last 10 or 15 years and started collecting them because they, there was something that drew me to them. You know, there was something really yeah. beautiful about it. A lot of like, there was a, a, a sense of design that went into it that mm. is lost on new tools. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a couple things. It's more than a couple things. Right. For one, they're readily available. Any flea market right. or antique mall or yard sale you go to will have old tools. Yep. It is like one of those stalls that you'll see. You'll see a, a stall with toys and Hot Wheels and a bunch of that. Right. And you'll see an old tool stall. That's at every flea market ever. And maybe one with vinyl records and then one with old cabinets that have been painted over and then made to look old again. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Those stalls will always be there. And the tools are usually um, a lot cheaper than what you can get a new, newer, not as quality tool. Right. Um. Yeah. There's that. There's the price thing. Low entry right. to that type of thing. Right. Yeah. And the fun of finding them on your own. Yeah. And then there's the just, I would think that people who are into woodworking and stuff, they're already into aesthetics. So like you right. said, just the look of it and knowing the quality of it um, and the, 
I guess, ever-changing and diminishing quality of, of hand tools and, and stuff like that as we go along and, and mm-hmm. big corporations and bigger things make them and have less care for them. Right. Um, I don't know if that'll ever stop or turn around. I mean, we have a little bit of that now. There's a lot of yeah. makers and a lot of people, independent small companies, making nice things again. Right. But uh, you almost know automatically that if it's, you know, I don't know, before the 50s, you'll get some quality stuff no matter what it is. Right. <clears throat> and I think I think you, you touched on a good thing, which was like, as a maker, um, you know, woodworker, metal worker, um, especially I think woodworkers, there's there's an aesthetic that you're looking for. There's a life and a warmth in, in the, the look of a piece of wooden furniture that right. um, there's it's it's speaking to us as makers in a certain way. Um, and maybe that's because it does have a life of its own. You know, it's like you can do something with it. It came from it's you know, it came from a living thing. It's now this like piece of furniture, but there's an impermanence to it that as it ages over time, it will age. You know, so like you bump it against the wall, or maybe you drop um, you know a screwdriver on it and it gets a little dent or or like uh our my buddy sean you know he has um a wooden table he made he and i made dining room tables at the same time and i think they I forget what it was they're playing games on the table and part of his table is made out of old pine boards and you know writing on note paper on the table has transferred some <laughs> letters through onto the pine right so that's there's a history there now so it's like they, they take on a life of their own yeah. And and like like I said before I'm drawn to those older Stanley wooden handle painted screwdrivers because there are little bits of paint missing or might there might be yeah, like a scratch right, like right. you could tell like someone used it it has some life to it it has some warmth and now it's like they've imparted part of their story into this tool mm-hmm. and so then now like I'm taking it I'm like putting on the, the you know the armor of this new tool and like <laughs> it's like now it's my my helm to, my my whatever to carry <laughs> like yeah yeah and so I'll put my life into it for a while and then I'll pass it on or somehow it'll make it to someone else you know it's like that's that's something I think that like wooden furniture has um, that draws people to it has a life to it age yeah. and it ages and you know it they things age over time they change color and you can tell by their age how long they've been around and how much they're worn them. yeah 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 right and then in in 50 years he'll be sold for 50 cents to someone else <laughs> right yeah and they'll be and, super yeah. excited when they find it and they'll wonder about you right yeah who you were it's such it's such a cool thing the story and uh the history of it that's such a fun thing to think about when you pick up something Right. New. And that's a, a little angle to it. Um, old versus new tools and old versus new things. The excitement right. is there um, just as much as like getting a cool new thing. But right. anything that's new to you, right? Yeah. This old tool is brand new to you. So that's something too. Right. And uh, one of the things that always draws me to... Well, not always, but a lot of times think what I'm interested in, in an old tool is maybe I can get it, I can clean it up a little bit, you know, like work on it, oil it, uh, maybe sand it a little bit and get it to a Mm. point now where I've like rejuvenated it and it's ready to be used again for another however many years and I'll take care of it while, you know, and then until eventually it gets not used and 
sold or whatever, or, you know, I die and it goes somewhere and then it sits and gets dirty again. And then someone else will find it and be like, oh, let me clean this up and get it back into using, using, you know, condition to be used again. Right. I think there's something nice about that. And that also goes back to the, uh, the cost of it, right? Someone sees this kind of dirty old tool and they don't have a use for it. And so they'll sell it for cheap. <laughs> you know, so then someone else is like, ah, oh, you know, you're, you've been looking like now, whenever I go to yard sales, I always look for those Stanley screwdrivers with the blue handles because I have a couple of them and I want to get more, you know? And then I, I look for now I have an, another one. It's like a black handled Stanley and it has these kind of rings around it where it transitions from the ferrule into the screwdriver. And then the, the very final ring is made out of like red plastic or something. So it's, it's a very decorative. There's like a detail there that someone thought about, a designer thought about, and it's interesting. And so, you know, I see that and that speaks to me in a certain way. Like someone, I think that's also, there's, there's a uh, design mindset, a maker mindset um, in older things that isn't necessarily so much in newer things. Right. There's kind of this like, I don't know. Um, it's, I think it's just, one of the big things is just growth of companies making these right. things. Yeah. The bigger the company gets, the more impersonal it is. I mean, that's just, you can't avoid it. It's not necessarily something they're aiming for. Right. But, you know, the first generation of the people who cared about it die off. Then you have the right. next group of people running the company. And then you have someone who comes in and says, hey, I can do it better. I can save you guys 10% on all this. And it just right. cuts away little by little. And then 75 years later, you have a and not not really a great product anymore right <clears throat> yeah yeah and I, I think that's yeah, true i mean i think that you know as as the uh, desire to uphold a certain standard goes down over time because of, like you said it could be any any sort of um out outward like influence that happens but you know eventually someone's like well we can make all these handles out of rosewood or we can just make them out of oak and we can paint them like Rosewood. Okay, we can do that. That'll save us right. some money. And, and, and 99% of the people won't care. Right. Because we already have the name behind the product, right? People are buying it for the name because they right. trust the name. Okay, yeah, well, now we can just switch over to plastic handles because they're going to work just as well and they'll probably actually last longer. Right. But, <laughs> but now there's, you know, you're, you're, you're getting away from that design aesthetic and the reason why someone had put some time and care into doing the thing a certain way Maybe it was only because that's what they had at the time, right? They they had these supplies and uh, materials available to them, so that's what they made their materials out of. But I think there was a design aesthetic that, that's been lost over the years. Um, and I think that also comes with, like, off-brand things. Yeah. Where then you start having people just copying designs because that's what they see that, you know, so it's like you, I can make your same exact thing. I can buy it from the same company and I'll just put my own logo on it. Yeah. And, you know, make, make it with a little bit less quality products. And so it'll, you know, so you have all these kind of copycat things, which then are, are flooding the market of this one item and changing the design aesthetic. Yeah. I, um, I was, I guess the ongoing uh, saga of the American giant hoodie <laughs> that we discussed many times. Yeah, they had a good uh, little pamphlet when you when it came in the mail. Um, I, I I don't know. I guess it's true, but it is their pamphlet, so maybe not. They were talking about before, like 1940, the price of things were so much higher. Mm. 
That's why people did have one or two good things. They had one good suit. They had two pairs of slacks. They had like three nice shirts, and that was it. Obviously, we can buy all that. We can go to Walmart and buy that whole outfit. Right. That yeah. whole wardrobe for, you know, 100 bucks. And they were saying uh, something like this hoodie or sweatshirt back then cost this much. And then with inflation, they say it's, it was about 150 bucks for a sweater, hmm. you know, back then. Yeah. So whatever right. it was back then, maybe it was $10. Right. But with inflation and, and the change in the economy and stuff, they said that's how much it used to call, cost people. Right. So then, then that makes a little bit more. You go, okay, well, I don't feel so bad about spending 120 bucks on this hoodie. Right. Because they say back then when we made everything and people would make everything there and get all their uh, resources and materials local. Right. And, you know. Then, then this is how much stuff costs. This is just how it is. And if you want something like this, it's how much it's going to cost. And uh, right. I think it's true, and it makes sense because you you go into thinking like, how much would this thing make me to? How much would this thing cost me to make it? Right. And yeah. Then you go. There's no way I could ever make a shirt for five dollars. <laughs> right. But it has to be globalized and and sent overseas and sent back, and that's the only way you can do it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's funny. Like you think about that, right? Yes, there. You know, people bought less things and higher quality things, but they also had like, you know, they could they could own a house. Like everyone owned a house, and everyone was able to pay off their house, and like, yeah. and everyone, you know, they had their jobs, but they you know, they were able to pay off. You know, didn't really have college loans and stuff, so maybe they did, but they were able to pay it. Like everything, like, just the the incredible amount of cost of things things have gone up exponentially yeah compared to what they were in the 40s and 50s and 60s and right and you and, know, but, so yeah like maybe you had maybe you bought good things but because you didn't have you know you had your like mortgage and that was it and then after like 20 years right. you were done right and you had your house and then you had no mortgage but but also <laughs> back then with like prices and stuff and like health care yeah they didn't pay anything for it but when something right. happened to them they just died <laughs> you know it's like oh they just yeah. died they're dead I'm like what do you want <laughs> we don't know what they had there's no way to see inside their body uh right. so they're dead <laughs> you got to bury them now what, what else do you want to know right exactly i don't know why you guys are standing around looking at me they're dead <laughs> <laughs> their body failed in them and now they yeah. died yeah, that makes sense. Uh, who knows but um yeah. um okay so you, you got some do you want to talk about the, yeah. did you reach out to on Instagram? I did. Yeah. And that was like, <laughs> I went down to the shop yesterday and I was like, okay, well, what am I going to take a picture of to post something on Instagram? Just, you know, cause there's, there's always stuff around the shop that I can just talk about and, you know, tell people what's going on. So I went down and I started, I was like thinking about it, kind of just hanging out, just killing some time in the shop <laughs> and just, uh, and then it, it kind of popped into my head that we're going to be talking about this kind of old and new tools thing. So I started just kind of glanced around. I have, I have all my planes, right? And that those are all old tools. And I actually ended up not putting any planes in the picture, but I started grabbing things from off my tool shelf, from on the bench, from inside my toolbox, you know, oh, yeah, over yeah. near the, the forge and just started grabbing things and just laying out these old tools that I have. And, um, and again, that's just like a small selection of the old tools that I have, ones that would fit together aesthetically and look really nice in the picture because <laughs> I was like half of it too. I was like, mm -hmm. ooh, how can I arrange all these things? <laughs> Knurling, I think that's called. 
Uh, <laughs> so I started putting them together and took a picture of a bunch of old tools. Um, I thought about like kind of putting up a challenge to be like, who can uh, name all of these tools? You know, and <laughs> if you get it right, I'll, I'll send you a free something or other, but I decided not to do that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I did, I did ask people to respond. And I was like, yeah, maybe I can get some responses and we'll talk since we're going to talk about it on the podcast, maybe we'll get some response that we can talk about. And I got a decent amount of responses. It was kind of cool. Um, nice. So, uh, I, uh, the first, well, I don't really know exactly which order they came in, but one of them is, uh, Stark doc Franklin, Stark Franklin. Uh, he says, I personally like vintage tools more because you can get them for much cheaper and they feel so much better uh, to use. Yeah, right? We talked about that, right? That right. there is a quality to it that over time, you know, you end up picking it up for cheap, and if you can put a little love into it, then you have this quality tool that feels quality as well. Kind of like right. you said about our, our new camera. Like, yeah, it feels like it's quality. It's got some weight to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, using a hand plane feels like it's quality compared mm-hmm. to kind of, I don't know, some other thing that might be made out of plastic and kind of does the same thing. Probably works just as well, but there's not this kind of quality weight to it. So Right. Right. Um. I had a uh, Pocono bushcraft says I love old tools. There's no doubt about it. Technology and the new tools that come with it make our lives easier. But when it comes to hand tools, nothing beats a good, well-made vintage tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a good point too, that there's a, uh, you know, if you go into a fine woodworker's shop, you'll find a workbench, usually a pretty nice workbench that, has wooden clamps and, you know, designed, it's warm. It's got this life to it. And you'll find some hand tools, these old vintage tools, but you're probably also going to find like a top of the line planer and a really nice high end table saw. Yeah. And, and you're going to find really nice drills, Uh, you know, because there's, there is quality and there's technology that can make making a lot easier. Right. So I thought that was important too. Like technology has definitely given us a bunch of tools that do make our job easier as makers. Um, and we use all those as well. You know, like a bandsaw, there's nothing like a bandsaw to just zip over to the bandsaw, turn it on and cut something really fast or a chop saw, you know, like those things are really nice. And I still have hand saws in my shop and I use those, but I use them when it's necessary to do something by hand. Like if I feel like a thing needs to be done by hand, then I'll use the handsaw. But if it's just a quick cut or, you know, something quick, it's why not, you know, right. Makes my job easier to get to the next step to work, you know, to not slow down that process. Right. So, and the, and, and you know, the power tools that so much quicker to mess something up. Yeah. Right. You push through a little bit too hard, a little bit too quick. And it's, quickly ruined or or, 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 (laughs) no what did i do i pushed right through it somehow (laughs) right or Mm. even uh a good example of that is when i was making the uh soft jaws the wooden jaws for my vice um i put in little magnets under on the underside so it'll stay on because i bang those things off all the time you know (laughs) they're always falling off so i put these little magnets in and i was drilling holes on the back to set to you know um, set the magnets into the wood so that way when i put them down it would be flush and I was using a little uh, Forstner bit, you know, quarter inch or whatever it is, three, three eighths or something, um, and drilling in through plywood 
and plywood obviously has different plies and so there's different plies sometimes there's voids and sometimes there's softer wood and harder wood and i was drilling through and got one of the holes just you know drilling top speed it just went straight through a void and went down really deep now fortunately i didn't <laughs> go all the way through to the front and have a hole in it but it is now the magnet sitting you know almost a quarter of an inch below the surface instead of you know, a sixteenth of an inch below the surface. So <laughs> it still works. It's still, it's still glued in place and it's going to hold fine. But that's a good yeah. example of where a power tool. If I was using, you know, a bit and brace and just screwing those in or something, it would have just been. It would, you know, I would have stopped because I would have been doing it by hand. You know, it's not so much power right. that it just rips through it really quick. Right. Yeah. Um, another. I have uh, Henrik Oscarson says old or new for me it's about quality if something still works after 100 or 200 or 300 or so on years to me it says quality but that does also something uh, that has been used for 15 years and not broken down quality is subjective but then again it's not (laughs) so Mm -hmm. that was good he's kind of all over the place but back and forth it's like but basically it's just saying you know the tool is it's the quality of the tool is, is in the eye of the, of the user. Right. Um, I love my little one by 30 grinder. It still works for me. Great. Um, you know, I sharpen stuff with it now and I'll put, I have all a, a range of different grit belts and I'll still use it for different stuff. But, uh, you know, it's served me well It didn't cost me much and it's not a good vintage tool, but it works well. So it's right. kind of pulled its weight in the shop. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think the conversation was like, how are old tools better? It was more just, there's a difference between old and new tools, and there's something that draws draws us to old tools. Right. And it's, most makers are drawn to old tools for a reason. And it's like, we keep coming back to how much um, are you going to use this thing, and is it worth right. a bigger investment? Um, it's like me with the, the cordless drill that I have, the, the Black & Decker Right. The little cheapie. It comes with a battery and it's like 30 bucks. And it's worked great for me. Someone on a construction site may never use it. Right. But for me using it uh, a minimal amount of times a year and every once in a while doing big projects, but it's usually just stuff around the house for me. Right. Um, we, I mean, I've done dad's deck and a shed and stuff. We've done that. And it's held up just as well as anything else. But that was worth the investment for me. I'm not going to go get one of those $500 all tool sets just yet because I don't need it. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's uh, there's definitely something to that. And I think that's also where some uh, newer and more expensive tools will eventually make their way into different shops because you progress over time. Right. And you realize, okay, well, I, I've used this thing. I realize it's going to serve me a, a purpose that I want to continue to use. So I'm going to get the next best version of it. Right. And then, okay, right. well now I, I'm, maybe I'm making a little money because of it. So now I'm going to get the next best version of it and I'm going to mm. get the pro version of it. <laughs> like, okay, well now I get the pro right. version of it. So yeah. If all of a sudden, next- yeah, if all of a sudden your tool is paying for itself. Right. Then right away you can go, I mean, it could, it could be one, one sale. Right? Yeah. Where you go, wow, I just made this amount of money. Or let's say a furniture maker, they just sold. Someone wanted to buy a whole a whole room full of stuff. 
all of a sudden you have $10,000 cash. Yeah, you put it back in your company, but you go, hey, maybe I'll upgrade one thing. Right. Yeah. I'll spend 1500 of that on the one thing that makes that order next time 5% quicker or easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, Elevated Media says, old tools are my favorite hands down. Nothing better than using a recently sharpened vintage, vintage wooden handled chisel. Also, my old my old all wooden mallet has to be my favorite tool. Um, mm. That is, it's funny. I, I, there were a few times where I went to reach for my mallet to put it into that picture. Um, and I have a couple wooden mallets in the shop. None of them are old though, <laughs> but I think it was like the life that's already in them, this kind of age that they have grown with me and used and they're, they're like discolored on the handles where I grab them and they have little, these little like dents and bumps into them where I've used them to bang on stuff. <laughs> and there's the one, like, they feel like those, old tools, you know, <laughs> those, those are the ones you made, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I have yeah. one made out of Osage orange and then I have the, the big one that we made for the video. And then I have another one um, that was turned that's made out of, um, uh, I think black locust that my buddy Brian turned on the lathe for me. So one's more of like a, uh, a carver's mallet and then the other yeah. one's kind of a, a joiner's mallet but that um, big one actually did it's done pretty good over its lifetime it's gotten a, a good amount of views actually yeah yeah kind of i'm proud of that yeah. video that that one was cool it's it's nice to get to go outside and stuff we're going to do more of those um this year i think yeah. and uh i don't know if we talked about it last but we're going to try to do a, a, a maybe a winter camping trip and yeah, we, did talk we about want to do some more yeah. yeah so we want to get out outdoors a little bit more we try when we can obviously in the winter you're kind of stuck in the inside the shop but right there's there's usually a lot of us shooting outside during the summer yeah yeah exactly it's just so nice out <laughs> it's like yeah and, and a lot of times the reason why we shoot inside is because we both obviously have full-time jobs and we're working during the day so then we're shooting right. at night and just start right. but then you know when we do shoot on weekends and stuff or if we're working summer. on a specific project where we know you know that you know, we want to get some shots outside or we want to do something outside that we plan around that as well. Yeah, it is yes. really nice. It's always, it's always nice. Like you get these like beautiful views of the landscape and <laughs> it's nice to get those nice shots outside. Yeah. yeah. Capture the nice light. Mm-hmm. All right. I have a uh, crafting life. I want Sean says it took until I built my workbench before I really understood and learned to appreciate my old tools. And again, he put old in parentheses. Um, I think they both have their place, but I certainly appreciate. And since that bench build will reach for my old tools far more often than before. Um, I think I like, I like that point of view because I think it says something to the, the workshop mentality. You know, if you're in a, if you're in a metal shop, um, you know, you're, you're welding, you know, you're, cutting things there's everything's going to be made out of metal and you're going to you're going to reach for a certain type of tools you're looking for a certain type of tools in that workshop mm. um, when sean built his wooden bench it has the life of now an older tool it has it's it's speaking to a history of that type of bench you know it's like when you have a nice wood vice and you can't clamp a piece of wood into it yeah, you might have like I have a power planer, but then I also have my hand planes. Right. Okay, well, what's the difference, right? Am I am I planing 
an entire you know table surface okay i might i might use the power planer to do the rough planning on it but if i'm planning the edge of a board like i just did recently was making the uh bookshelf for my wife or the um the coat rack with the shelf on top and i had to plane the surfaces and plane all the edges so i did that all by hand corinne joined me and we did it together you know like i could have used the the power planer to maybe taken two or three passes to completely flatten those outer surfaces those edges but then I got to plug it in and use hearing protection. And then there's like <laughs> dust flying everywhere. And you don't get that kind of that feeling. You see the curl of the wood coming up through the plane. And it's just something really nice about that. So I think that perspective of like putting yourself in a situation where now you are, uh, you're kind of imparting a certain history into your shop. And, uh, and then there are certain tools that go along with that history. So woodworking tools and hand tools go along with that wooden bench, that kind of Rubo style bench. Um, so I think that's kind of nice. You know, if you want to, if you want to do work in a certain way, you got to surround yourself in an environment that feels like that work. Yeah. What was the, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of it. What was the project we did recently where the whole beginning of the video you're, you're working on and then you basically get it down to a two by four. Oh, <laughs> the, uh, the, um, tillering tree. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Clean up all the sides and then chamfered all the sides. <laughs> right. And then like, all right, now we're back to a two by four. <laughs> it was like five minutes into the video. Okay. Now we have a two by four. Now we can get started. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And you know, who knows is like, if I had a better, if I had a bigger shop and I was able to plug in my planer and you know, had a planer plugged in and had, you might've just run it through, but you know, right. Um, you yeah, had the other tools planer, there. Of course. Right. Yeah. It's nice. And it's nice for video. It's nice to see. It's, um, yeah. And then, you know, I'm also spending time creating something, which then I'm, I'm going to want to put more effort into. It's like, I spent all this, all this sweat equity, to like plane right. this down. I'm sweating my ass off now. <laughs> right. So it better turn out good because right. I just had to spend, you know, 25 minutes or 30 minutes planing it down. So it's now usable wood. So. Right. It would be like um, making a shed or a barn from milled lumber that you milled yourself instead right. of getting it from Home Depot. Uh, still, you're happy that you made something like that. Right. I'm sure the person who milled all the wood and did, you know, saw it cut down the tree. Right. They 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 probably uh, have a have a bigger attachment to it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're gonna be. I I feel like you'd be much more careful with your hammer blows, and you'd be much more careful about breaking boards or screwing something up, right? Because you put time right. and effort into making waste those. wasting wasting yeah. lumber and wood. Right. Um, it's not just a two dollar thing. It's a right. It's yeah. Uh, some some you put a lot of time into. Right. And, you know, maybe, maybe you saved some money because you put that time in, but then that's your time, right? Now you're invested in this thing much more than you would have been if you just, you know, paid the money and used it. Like I, uh, I was talking to my wife yesterday. Um, we have a, right outside of our kitchen window, we have, um, a, a welded, a, a steel kind of decorative, um, bird feeder hanging thing. It kind of looks like if you imagine, um, a, like motorcycle handlebars that are really wide, like maybe as wide as say like five feet, 
So they don't like go, you know, they kind of have this curve. So the outsides of them down and then it kind of curves down in the middle. And then the very middle of that, it has a, a metal post that goes straight down. And then along that horizontal, like those long handlebars are different, um, like maybe a quarter inch round bar that's been coiled around and welded. And then there's these three little welded uh, decorative birds that are on it. And then all the different kind of round bar has hooks and things. So then you can hang bird feeders off of it and different like outdoor implements. Um, and uh, I, I got that piece, that sculpture, that, you know, thing was from an artist uh, who I became friends with when I was living in Virginia after grad school. Her name was Sally Myers and I was in a show with her and she had, she did these like you know, welded birds and welded different things. And I um, do mostly landscape painting as my fine art. So we were in a, in a, in a show together where I had my work. She had show her work and there was a few other artists in the show. Um, but she and I were interviewed for the local paper based off of the, sh- for the show. And so we became kind of friends and, and we ended up trading, um, artwork. So I gave her one of my paintings and she gave me, you know, as a trade gave me the, um, the sculpture. Um, yeah. and the point being is that if I would have, paid her for the sculpture or if she would have paid me for the painting, I would have gotten money. She would have gotten the painting and that money would have been used for something and it was gone. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was like I, in that situation, I was like much happier, way, way, way more satisfied with the, the exchange, the trade of art, right? Because that what I got from her in my mind had a value of equal or more to what I gave her. And I'm sure right. in the same mindset, she had the same mindset, right? That we're exchanging these things. Now we both have something from each other that we both made and it's not just money. You know, we didn't just get money for what we paid, but we got something that will then last us for a long time. So it's not like here and gone. It's something that lasts a while. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's, that's kind of the, one of the nice things about, having some artist friends or having maker people that you can trade things with. Cause then you, you're getting something that will be, should potentially be with you for as long as you want it to be with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, uh, I was, it's kind of the same thing. I was, even though I am, I'm giving money. I was thinking about how much money I spend on vinyl records. And right. like, if you add it all up, it's probably a lot of money. Right. And obviously I know that there's Spotify and I know that there's YouTube. I understand this, but what I get, if I buy a record from someone, not only do I get the feeling of supporting that band or group directly, um, I also get a physical tangible thing that will last for, you know, as long as I'm alive, I don't know. It depends. You got to take care of records obviously, but, uh, yeah, but potentially you as the, you know, the keeper of the record, you're going to, you're going to take care of it to the best right. of your ability. And it should last for your entire time that you have. Right. It, right? So every time I stuff. think like, man, should I pay this much for a record? And a lot of times it's fun. It's like searching for old tools and yeah, that, and right. that, that one uh, place with milk crates and, and, and in every flea market. Yeah, right. Yeah. You got the toys, you've got the tools and you've got the and records. You, you got the records <laughs> and a flip through and you find a record that you've been thinking of or is yeah. a good deal or it's super clean. Like, um, that's, it's, it's nice and it's value to me. It's, it's, it's worth the money. And nowadays, if you can get anything that you can actually hold or hang up or, or grab in your hands, 
That's it's such a value now because everything's uh, going away from that. Yeah, you know, that's a perfect example of something else that's old that isn't necessary, right? Because now there are some old tools that do a certain thing that you can't really, you know, even the new tools are the same way, like a screwdriver or a hand plane, right? You, can, you might get a new hand plane from Veritas and it's going to be made the same way that an old one is made. It does the same thing. It's just made out of new materials. Right. And I think uh, it's, records are one of those things that's like not really necessary, but there's something beautiful about it, right? I don't need to like a bit and brace, you know, I don't need to drill holes by hand, but it's beautiful. The tool is right. beautiful. The like the Irwin bits that I can find that I collect to make sure I try to have this whole set. You know, that's it's a beautiful engineered piece of machinery. Yeah. That does something beautiful and there's connection to it and, and you feel your body through the tool when you're using it, you know. Like like a record, you hear the scratches in it, you know, or you hear you see it spinning. The the it's almost yeah. like magic. Records are magic. Right. It's <laughs> like, such a... There's something magical happening in front of you. And I think that's the same thing <laughs> with old tools. There's this magic that flows through you and through this thing and creates something. Yeah. I think anytime nowadays you can find something that, that um, takes you an extra minute to do, but something you can, you can appreciate while you're doing it. It's not just like a throwaway thing. Like, all right, put something on Netflix, right. play a game on my phone, uh, scroll through this here. It's like 10 different things. You're working with hand tools or even if something as simple as putting a record on when you're thinking about it, what do I want to listen to? And it's not just going to be like, hey, I want to listen to this one song. It's like, what album do I want to listen to? You right. go and find it. You get it out. You pull it, you look at it. You get the the, um, the liner notes or the little paper yeah, that comes out with anything cover. that's with it. Yeah. You put it on. You make sure there's no dust on it. Then you put the needle on. I don't know. It's... it's uh, I think we're we're searching for for experiences and and yeah. uh, little moments. There's we got to stop and have these little moments that we kind of um, everything's so fast now. You got to find times to stop and we uh, we've been been adding up to our Christmas music um, library now too. Nice. So we have all yeah. those that we put on at Christmas time and uh, yeah. I don't know. It's it's just uh, such a nice a nice old thing. Yeah. Um. I know our our parents had records when we were growing up. Our dad had this this really cool old record cabinet. Um, not anything special. It's probably just like made out of plywood, but it yeah. was like two shelves tall, and it you know the door in the front that opened and closed, and that was like it was a nice thing. You know, it was it was something that served a single purpose, right? And yeah. I remember our yeah. dad putting on the records, and he had his like headphones, and he would like just sit in the corner and listen to some of the records while, you know, us four boys were like going nuts. Right. <laughs> um, and then obviously like he would play the music as well. We'd all hear it. We grew up with rock and roll and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and, you know, and Crosby, Stills and Nash and whatever other classic rock stuff that we grew up with. But, uh, it was a really nice, something really nice about that even then, you know, and this was, this is in the eighties. So it wasn't like, you know, there was, there was tapes and eight tracks and things and whatever. So, even at that time, a record collection wasn't completely necessary, but this is something our, our dad had kind of acquired over the years as like a musician and a lover of music himself. Right. And, and now if you decide to go out and again, you can get this stuff for cheap, you can get a receiver and you get two giant, whatever size speakers you want. Cause yep. they're at every thrift store for, you know, $5 each. 
uh, you can blow people away. You can get it so loud, and you can get the house bumping through records. Oh, it's so much fun. It's so much better than a stupid cell phone in a cup or something, you know? <laughs> cell phone. Yeah. Yes. That's one, that's one way we've gone backwards. We went from everyone having these hi-fi players and, yeah. and speakers that are six feet tall to a uh, cell phone in a cup. I don't know. Now you have you do have nice Bluetooth speakers. We have we have nice. Uh, you know, UAV right, right. I got those too, and those are good for you know you yeah. run you go outside or something's happening. Right. And you just want to grab it, but um, but yeah, there's nothing like you know nice a good quality speaker system. You know, sound system. Yeah, yeah. I I like uh, you know I think <laughs> I like ter- I really like turning good music up. It's like, yeah, it's probably going to damage my ears a little bit, but I'll do it all the time. But when there's a good song, there's nothing like just blow blaring it. You know, it's like right. ah, it's cranking. You feel the bass. You just feel like you're part of that that uh, that moment. Well, that's the thing. I mean, rock and roll. It's like meant to be played loud. We yeah. all listen to it. So, like, you turn on a classic rock station, it doesn't hit you the same way. Right. Like, if you're listening to Boston or something. <laughs> it just seems like kind of a like a classic rock station thing, right? Yeah. Um, but then you get it home on a record and you crank it up. <laughs> like this is amazing. <laughs> this is how it's yeah, supposed oh, to. This is what it's supposed yeah. to be like. It's an electric guitar and a drum kit. Yeah, right. It's they are loud. That's what they do. So you have to right. listen to it loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have uh, I have two more two more uh, comments here, and I want to I want to read them both just because I. It's nice that people were commenting. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll, let's see. So uh, the most recent one I got was from uh, Kevin Crooks, 926. And he says, uh, have a set of my great-grandfather's timber framing chisels that were made in 1850s. He was a bridge builder. And that's, like, that's super cool. You know, like, there's something, um, timber framing chisels are wide chisels made with a lot of steel um, designed to cut big um, you know timber notches and things back before there were you know metal connections and things I mean there I guess there would have been metal connections but you know you're building bridges and things with just wood Hmm. wood wooden joints wooden pegs everything's coming together really tight so I think that's really cool that's one of those things that I'd like to get I do have a Again, as I was kind of pulling through all my old tools, there are probably four or five as four or five times as many old tools as I put on that table that I have in the shop that could have gone on that table. Um, yeah. One of them is this nice wide, maybe inch and a half chisel that I have that I picked up, and then I also have six or seven, eight, probably not, uh, maybe more than that, maybe t- double that, <laughs> fifteen or twenty uh, old chisels that I have in various conditions um, that are all wood chisels. Um, that I would love to put some time and effort into, but I think that's cool. And the fact that that's something that was like his father's, yeah. um, I would say, let's see, there was one, two, um, I, I think two, two of the things, there's a, a little square, like a clover square, um, framing square in that picture. And then there's a little oil can, both things that were my dad's that I've gotten from him. So, you know, things that have been passed down. I also have a, uh, um, a ball peen hammer that I use occasionally. That was, I think his grandfather's, I got that a long time ago. Mm. This was like really back before I was doing a lot of 
making stuff on my own, maybe when I was in college and just starting to get into kind of making things. And we've all, we all have always been kind of makers and doing doers and stuff. But, um, I remember at some point he gave that to me, but I still have that, which is cool. Um, so there's definitely that, that, that's something really nice too, that there's a family history that can go along with old tools that you can (laughs) pass down and something that, you know, I could pass down to my daughter and she could pass down to her children. You know, it's like potentially could last forever if you take care of them. All, all, all our dad's tools are going to be in the Dustin household for years and years. (laughs) (laughs) But also that's just something of, uh, Dustin showing interest in that. Right. <laughs> I mean, we all have interest in that, but it's, I think any person who has a, a bunch of one thing or, or, or they love when you show interest in what they are interested in. Right. So yeah. then of course they will give you something. Right. Anytime someone's like, oh man, you have that and you got that. Oh, that's great. And you go, yeah, yeah, this is great. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, here you want that. No, take it. I've got, yeah. I've got three of them. Right. Take it. This oh, this one's great. You'll love it. And they go, oh, really? You know. Then you're like, <laughs> so you're just yeah. you're just doing that a little bit more when you go into dad's shop, right? Yeah. Oh, this is so cool. Yeah, I'm just I mean, I'm just pushing through things to try to play find the volley volleyball so we can play the kick game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm like looking around, like, oh, cool. Look at that little square. I mean, I think I I talked to him about that little square multiple times because it's just been in his tool belt. Like that's where it lives. It was in his tool belt yeah. for years and years. And I've noticed it. It's a nice little one. And I've, I've been looking for a similar one to it. You know, this is one that's only maybe five inches across the metal edge. And then, you know, three inches mm-hmm. on the wood handle. So it's a small square. It's really like, I mean, you can, you can cut, you know, you can draw square lines across two by fours perfectly with it, but it's just a great little square. And, you know, it's one of those older ones with like a, maybe a rosewood handle and it's got the brass clover on yeah. it to hold it together. Yeah, we got we've got got some nice close ups of that. Um, yeah, and I, I'll say our dad's a lot less precious about his things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's always like, "Yeah, take it," or I don't, I don't know, whatever. Go ahead. Right. Like the same thing with that record collection he had. Yeah. Um, he gave some to a dust. You had some, mm-hmm. or something. But then he gave. I remember saying, "Look, uh, this is when I was going away to school. Save this box for me." Like I remember I had picked out like a certain amount um, and then he just threw them away or got rid of them because they were in the way. But it was like, right. you know, it was like 20 of the, the greatest albums you can think of, whatever right. classic rock albums you'd want to have, Led Zeppelin, Beatles, Stones, yeah. all that stuff was just, uh, I don't know. I, I threw it away. It was just I was like, no. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh, Creedence. And then I had I had to go find them all. That's one of the things you know you have. And then once you find them all, then you have to find a better, cleaner version on vinyl, right? Because it's like you find that you find that one album you're looking for, and it's it's beat to hell. But right. you found it, so you buy it for three bucks. You and know now now I'm going back. And, yeah. yeah, now I'm going back and getting trying to get all the classics in better condition, so they're a little bit cleaner, but. You know what you need to do? You need to start showing interest in fishing and <laughs> everything. <laughs> Our dad is the most avid fisherman that I've ever met in That's my job. life. I by, think by Drew, a Drew's probably gotten stuff from him. Yeah. Yeah, right. Drew, exactly. Drew's probably the more interested uh, angler <laughs> in the family. <laughs> yeah, like I, I had that little oil can. It's a little um, maybe uh, two-inch diameter, um, you know, inch tall little uh 
brass or whatever um oil or you know a little clink, 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 like uh <laughs> right. press the back of it and it's got the a four inch long little um tube on it to oil it's perfect for a drill press it's, yeah. it's the, the thing you want to keep right next to a drill press to oil put a little bit of like cutting fluid on it you know so i just i asked him about that one day that was like it was just in the shop i was like oh that's great i've been looking for something like that and he was like oh go ahead and take it you know <laughs> he's like you'll probably use it more than i will which is 100 percent true you know like yeah. I've, I've used it probably 20 times since he's given it to me it's probably sat on the shelf in the shop for who knows how long well there you go you get that and i get pretty much all his um video gear and <laughs> right exactly <laughs> so i always anything i'm like oh you have one of those you got this yeah i got a bunch of gels there i got this go. i got a light box you want this soft box this is nice i got these old uh these old <laughs> microphones <laughs> uh, we when we had when i had the band we recorded all of our album on old old mics that he had that were just yeah, solid right. and he had he had you know yeah seven of them we did the whole record that's the thing that. too yeah our dad does have you know he kind of has a bunch of interests like we have you know he's 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 always been into kind of making his own stuff like building things more more construction scale but you know now is getting a little older he's he is getting a little bit more into like furniture type things um but then he's like also in production and film which is what you followed behind him with you know so like right. the whole production mindset and video and film and doing that type of thing which he was always really good at as well right i i remember um coming back from school and then it's one of those things you connect with your your parents or someone like that yeah. you have that connection right away and you can start using the lingo with them and, right. and talking about things and you just know when you say like dad why can you why would they do this we're both watching a sports game mm-hmm. and we see something happen and we both look at each other because we know a director somewhere screaming at someone, cussing at someone. <laughs> no one noticed it, but <laughs> we're like, right. hey, yeah. Yeah. that guy's going crazy right now. Um, yeah, any any more um, off Instagram? Yeah, one more. Um, and I say this one to last, just because this is from one of our uh, our subscribers on the on the on YouTube as well as a, somebody who follows me is on uh, Instagram is Mister Mike Makes. And so Mister Mike Makes has been following us for a long time and is also a subscriber. Um, and he says, uh, you can definitely tell when you compare, say, a poly handle, for example, with a wooden one. So like a, a, a plastic handle. Right. Um, there's just something about wood that draws us like a magnet. It's almost like the warmth and the life of the timber once held becomes an extension of yourself, which is what a good hand tool should be, really. Interesting topic. I'll listen out for the podcast. So... <laughs> I think, you know, he's hitting on a key element and that's one of those things that, um, that I also talked about a little earlier with like older screwdrivers, you know, there's wooden handle screwdrivers that vintage wooden handle screwdrivers that I'm interested in. And then there's vintage plastic handle screwdrivers that could be just as old, but there's just not, it doesn't have the same thing. There's something about wood, um, and not all of the old tools that I posted in the picture were wood. I mean, I have center punches and an awl and I have a, a chisel that's from the Baltimore, you know, iron company and, um, uh, like a, a pipe wrench. And there are several things there that are, uh, met, just all metal, but most of the things in that picture, I think have some wood on them. And there's something about that connection that obviously draws me to it because axes are metal and wood together, <laughs> you know, woodworking and knife making is, the metal handle with the wood, I mean the metal, the metal blade with the wood handle. Like there's, 
I realized that there's something there about wood and metal together that just like piques my interest. And when I see something like that, I'm like, that's a cool combination. <laughs> there's something raw about those two things. They're both right. elements from the earth yeah. and they're coming together and they're creating mm-hmm. things that then create things that then create things. And so on and so right. on. It's the whole, you know, it, it was a living thing at right. one time and there's just yeah. more and more layers of history to it. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't, there's a warmth to it. This probably goes way back to who knows our right. human origins of, of that type of thing. That was our main, that smell. We all love it. It's probably cause it goes way back to, right. We've always had wood around and we've always used it for tools and houses and safety and, Mm-hmm. Yeah, something something deep down. Yeah, and you know, like just as old or not just as old, but similarly old as is fire, right? And fire is made from sparks mm-hmm. from iron and you know ore and and uh, metal hitting together. So something Burning there, wood. like yeah. Um, I uh, I had the pleasure, and I will say, I had the pleasure of watching this video this week. I just watched it. Today for the first time, and I think I've watched it like five times now. Is this a recommendation? No, this isn't. But this goes back to <laughs> uh, something that you talked about earlier, and you quoted. It's the uh, the Adam Savage um, video on what it what it is, what his definition of a maker is. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I watched that video, and I showed it to all of my classes today, nice. and I showed it to my students that I that I. Um, had for a portfolio workshop, new students coming uh, uh, to our school. All right. A, a quote got through. Yeah. Oh man. It's so good. It's so good. It's five minutes of Adam talking about what it means to be a maker. Mm. And every time I watched it by the end, I just had this huge smile and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm like fist bumping the air and like, <laughs> I'm like, this is so awesome. Like his perspective on what it means to be a maker, someone who takes this little idea in their head and, and then makes it into something from their own point of view, right? That's just like, he hit a home run with that video. I feel like <laughs> it was like super exciting. That's why I was like excited to talk to you today and talk about making things and old tools versus new tools. Yeah. I so agree. I watched that video. You, yeah. Watch that. And yeah. we should leave a comment on there. Yeah. Dust. You should, you should say all those things. I think that'd be good. That, yeah, that'd be yeah. one day. That'd be a dream person to have on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. A- anyone yeah. will test it. And if you know, our uh, podcast, you know, we, we love those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's just it was super inspirational and, you know, and very, uh, inclusive, you know, and like you talked about, you know, he talks about, how he doesn't like gatekeeping and, you know, I was hundred percent right. sure what you meant. I knew what you meant by it, but really it's like you know, when someone limits, you, know, you put, put a limitation on who can access yeah. what that's kind of yeah that's kind of a i mean a modern slang right right you hear that now because people all the time on social media will be like if you do this you're not a part of this right exactly. if you think this there's no way i can be friends with you for this or if you want to do this this way you're not doing it the right way it's all right. these gatekeepers everywhere it's just uh or yeah. if this is not how you raise your child like we talk about all the time my wife and i there's all these things on tiktok and whatever where it's everyone's trying to tell you you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like everyone's like, you do this. Oh, how could you ever do this? It's right. <laughs> gatekeepers everywhere. Come on. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, you know, that what, that's what trolls are on, on comments. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I can't believe you did this this way. You know, you know, someone's like, 
you know, all these things are wrong with this. You should, you know, you should be so ashamed of yourself. And like, <laughs> it, what you, I mean, the idea is that I have an idea, we have an idea and we take that idea and we make it into something. And that's, that's what it means to be a maker. You know, you're taking something yeah. and you're making something out of nothing and whether or not, you know, and then, but you know, as artists and as people who make things, then you are putting that out there in the world to, to hopefully not get criticism for, but to, you know, to show people, look at this thing I made, look how I contributed to our yeah. society. Yeah. You know, I contributed to culture, which is what Adam says, you know, it's like, I've put, you know, that's what we're all here for is to contribute to our culture. So we're all right. making things. We're all making each other bit better with the things we're making, hopefully. So if you're, uh, you know, using old tools, like there's something beautiful about an old tool. And if, if I don't restore it perfectly and you're not happy with that, that's fine. You know, it's my old tool I'm using. <laughs> right. you know, there was, there was one comment, um, on the video that I, I thought was a great comment. It's not something that I did. And, and often I will learn from the comments. People will comment things and it's a great comment. And I'm like, that's awesome. And yeah. not just as often, but often other times, often people will comment something kind of mean comes across mean. But to me, I also will learn from them sometimes. And right. uh, I saw a comment through come on this video and I didn't, um, I didn't, I hadn't watched the video in a long time. The, the, um, restoring the the hand plane video yeah someone said like you know you should you really should always make sure that you're uh you're you're putting your blade and your frog back on your clamping everything back in before you try to do any sanding on the surface it's because those those things put tension on the entire you know the entire body of your plane right and so in my mind i saw that comment and it came across kind of negative like you should do this and then when i watched the video i did do that and I, not because I thought about it, just because I knew if I put everything back together, I put the handles on and I put the blade and everything back together and it's all there. It would give me much more material to hold on to while I was surface sanding the, the sole and the sides. So, uh, but that was, is a great tip. It is, you know, when you, when you clamp everything down, you're putting everything in tension. So then you want to clean up all your surfaces when everything is in tension, like it will be when you're using it. Yeah. You know? So I was like. That's a good comment, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah there's always, right. There's like, always a, a good way and a bad way to say, uh, yeah. to, to say something or to give criticism. Right. One more quick story. I remember it's this always, um, I've had a lot of different jobs up until school and then after, and then being a freelancer in video, you're always meeting new people and new bosses and different crews and stuff. And, um, there was this guy when I was doing, um, grounds crew work at a, at a golf course. This was before, before college. Yep. And he was just such a jerk. He would teach you things, but he always had a negative way of doing it, which made me not want to learn from him at all. He's one of those mm -hmm. people who would say, they won't like tell you the thing like, Hey, uh, if you're going to do this, just, just make sure you do this. And it, it makes it so much easier. You know, something like that. You go, Oh, cool. Thanks. He would go, he'd bring you over and be like, um, look at this. I go, yeah. He's like, uh, uh what's wrong here? W what's the problem here? Don't, 
you, there, you can you can see that something's wrong here and he just would be such a like bad jerk about it, yeah, that i right. would just um yeah one time I, th- I put away a a mower and it was like the wrong way that he thought it should be done right and maybe he was right but i definitely told him to go f himself and walked out it's like eventually right you can only take so much as an adult of that from another adult right exactly before you just walk away from and you you don't like okay i'm not gonna you can't just talk to me like that like i'm not a child right yeah exactly so he could have been giving me a good tip about how to put a tractor away but i told him to go f himself and i walked out but uh, you know it's there's many ways to give tips to people right and being demeaning and that type of thing just does not work. Yeah. And that, that is one of the things that's hard to gauge sometimes with people's comments, you know, and it's hard to do that across social media. Sometimes when you can't see someone's face and you can't hear their, their, their intonation of their voice, you know, are they trying to be mean or they're trying to be nice? I can't tell really. Right. So we got to be careful, you know, careful about how you're, you're receiving those comments. Um, that is something as well. I see, uh, often, um, good teachers that I've had in the past and people who I see that teach well will sometimes will often use that strategy say okay you know what do you see here that could work better that but that's different that's a different thing that's a teacher and a student yeah and that's also there's a that 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 exchange is already agreed upon right but and there's also a way you can do it but someone who's should be an equal, it's kind of an equal, another right. adult yeah. in a situation. They don't have to talk to you. Right. They don't have to demean you or try to like. Yeah. And there are people. My, my thing was, tell me what I've done wrong right. here. Yeah. Obviously, this is my like second month here. You've been here for 10 because you're a loser. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you obviously know I have done all these things so many more times. Just tell me. Right, yeah. Bring me over and tell me, and I will get it quickly, and right. I'll, yeah, no, you're right. You got it. Thanks, man. Or, come, or come at it in a, in a perspective like, hey, come here. I want, I, want to, I want to teach you something real quick. Like, yeah. take a look at what's happening here. Let's, let's think about this together. Like, how could we have done this better, right? Right. And then you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I see that you've done this a lot more times than I have. We're equals in this situation, but I want to learn from you because I yeah, know but, that you're coming at it in a perspective yeah. that is positive. It, and even that. No, I just, just tell me. Yeah, right. Of course. Tell there's, me there's a certain your, your way. Place, right. Don't, don't make me sit here and do a guessing game <laughs> like a, like a kid in a class. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm not. If you have a cool tip you want to give me, let me know and I'll, I'll do it. Don't be like, so what, what's the issue here? Hmm? <laughs> what, what, does this, does this look right to you? Like, all right, I'm done. I don't care. Are you, are I don't care paying, anymore. Are you paying my, uh, my Yeah, you're my not my boss, so no. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you're not going to tell me what I did wrong and I can do it right next time, then nah, see ya. Yeah, we're not going to do the guessing game. <laughs> I'm not your child. Right, exactly. Um, all right, uh, recommendations? Yeah, um, so I have a recommendation that I found earlier this week. Um, I always know when something's really good when I want to show my wife. I'm like, check this out. Look how awesome <laughs> this is. You know, And she usually doesn't care. But it's like to the point where it's that nice where I have to show her. I'm like, I think that you'll appreciate this too. Um, So there's a uh, a guy on uh, Instagram. Uh, His Instagram name is Hammer Forge Creations. Mm. Um, His name is Lucas Damon. And uh, 
I started following him recently on Instagram and he has, uh, he does also, you know, he's a blacksmith and does all sorts of different stuff. But, uh, he posted this beautiful picture of a set of cutlery that he made. Um, mm-hmm. and it's all forged out of steel. You know, it's all forged steel. There's a, a knife that's similar to like a blacksmith knife. So, you know, the, the handle is drawn out and curved back into itself. Um, there's a spoon with like a twisted, the handle is twisted and then a fork. Um, and the way he made the fork is basically one long, um, strip of metal that was then like bent at the end. So then you have kind of like a tuning rod, you know, two long pieces of metal that are bent, you know, parallel bend one at the end and then twist around itself like three times, but not tight twist around itself, kind of loosely twist around itself. Yeah. So it gives you some material to hold onto. And then it's just two tines at the end, which come out that are sharpened. So you get this like two tined fork. Mm. It's just a beautiful little set of utensils. And, um, so that popped up in my uh, Instagram, and I really liked it. So I wanted to uh, shout him out. That's Lucas Damon. Again, that's uh, Hammer Forge Creations. And then nice. uh, as I was kind of flipping through, um, the uh, I have a second recommendation this week. And uh, <laughs> as I was kind of flipping through the different um, the people who had commented on and liked the, um, the post about the old and new tools, I came across a... Uh, Another Instagrammer um, goes by the name of Vintage Vintage Tools and Toys, um, and uh, he's a young locksmith. He has some kind of cool, like tons of beautiful pictures. He takes really nice pictures, um, really nice kind of compositions with different vintage tools and locks and keys, and all this kind of older things. So, and a lot of things that he has in the pictures are tools that I've I've used or seen or have from over the years. So really beautiful. Just if, if you're interested in looking through beautiful pictures of old tools, old vintage tools, uh, check them out. That's at vintage tools and toys. Nice. I think yeah. we need to invest in or I guess I'll say you a, a, a newer iPhone for their amazing cameras. <laughs> Mere yeah, shots no, are good, but man, five. those, yeah, those, the new iPhones, man, the pictures they take. Well, any, oh, yeah. I'll just say any, phone in the last three years right yeah like the 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 pictures they take are gorgeous yeah mine's definitely um, uh it's coming up on it's uh, the end of its life so probably won't be too much longer <laughs> nice um okay mine is uh the meat eater guide to wilderness skills and survival right. by steven ranella um you know i've shouted them out before they don't need our help once again <laughs> but I got this for Christmas. I asked for it. Um, on their podcast, the Meat Eater podcast, they had talked over and, you know, they just talk about what they're doing. And they had been talking about putting this book together and all the um, the hunters and guides and all the people they have constantly around them talking to the best, the best. Right. They compiled it into a kind of a straightforward survival thing like there's there's a lot of things survival things out there that are entertainment like mm-hmm. zombies or if you get attacked by a cougar or if you know like the worst things but as he goes over in the book it's people getting hurt by their own fires you know right. and yeah. hurting themselves with their own tools or spraining an ankle or it's a lot of small things that's where the deaths come from um, people taking pictures, selfies, 
you know, there's been more photo related deaths over the last <laughs> 10 years than like anything else in the wilderness. <laughs> so he, he goes kind of a non bullshit way, but he also does it. He's a, yeah, Steve Marino is a great writer and, um, there's mm, minimal bullshit to it, right? but he, he writes it in a, in a really nice way. Um, and I'm not all the way done it, but, but it's, uh, just a really uh, great book and it's, it's, I think it came out last month, so it's a nice. cool, really cool, and it's got what to pack and where, you know, the the, con- the, the classics, your food, um, right. the main things you'll probably get sick by, shelter, warmth, all that stuff, but from people who actually go out for 10 days at a time and hunt, I mean, hunters are the best to know. They, they can only bring so much, um, because right. yeah. they know they have to pack the animal out. And get back to where they, you know, they can't have a lot of gear. All right. But he's got early on, I wanted to do a little quiz with you, Dust. All right. Ten useful knots. Ooh, nice. How many of his ten useful knots are there? I'll say meat eater. It's a kind of a group effort there. Uh, Can you name? Okay. Or what, what would you think? Uh, well, bowl and knot will be on there. Yep, that's, yep. Um. I would say, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of like names. Um, I don't know if they have what's called the trucker hitch. I don't know if that's on there, but that's a that's a um, an indispensable kind of tensioning knot that I use. Yep, trucker's hitch is in there. Okay. Um, there's probably the uh, I don't know if it's called like the Canadian jam knot or. A jam knot, I think that's what's called something like that. Um, it's it's basically like a two loops. You kind of go around something. You do two loops in a row, and then you go back and you do one loop on the inside of your thing, and it jams it. Mm. I, I don't see that one, but it could be mm. named something different. Um, there might be like a a toggle knot. Basically, it's a you have a toggle and you have a a loop of string and you kind of wrap it around a string a couple times and you pull it tight so it you can uh you can slide your toggle up and down the line to lock it in place. Mm. No, no. That's hmm. a good one though. Um two's pretty good. I think I mean <laughs> That's not bad. I'm if trying you're to think, think of, like, of the top 10. Yeah. Um, and they all have obviously different names and stuff. Um right. I I can Yeah, sure. Uh, a square knot Okay, yeah, like the standard square knot, right? Right, right. Uh, figure eight stopper knot. Okay, yeah, so that's like... Just uh, for the end spin, of something. Spin two, and then it goes back through itself, right? It's yeah, not just a straight yeah. square knot, but it's like a double twist and through. Yep. Right. Um, figure eight joining knot, or joining, yeah, joining knot. Right, so you're joining two strings together. Two strings at eight. once, right. Yep. Um, the uh, bowling, right? Yep, bowling. Uh, And then a bunch of hitch, different hitch knots. Like half hitch and... Half hitch, two hitch. half hitch, um, rolling hitch, clove hitch. Yep, clove hitch is good. I use that. We would use that when we uh, tied up lines when I used to work on a boat. And kind of go right. over itself and then through. A couple of toys over itself and through. Or something. Right. Truckers hitch, uh, yeah. Prusik. Prusik. Prusik knot. Prusik knot. And uh, oh, that's it. All right. Good job. Good good knotting. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I there are I, I love um knots. I mean, the one I use more often than anything else is the is the bowl and knot as a sailor and then as a once I learned it in sailing, I use it for everything because it's a knot that you can tie and you can pull as much pressure as you want on it and then it comes undone really easily. Yeah. Point, but uh 
But yeah, there but yeah, a few knots I, that I use regularly. Um, I've been uh, enjoying this one a lot. I think what's the uh, awesome? What's the forward? It's kind of funny. Let me see real quick. Uh, where is it? Right in front. Oh, the surprising danger of s'mores. That's his foreword. Basically discussing that's all these silly things that you don't think of. That's where. That's how you get hurt. Right. And he yeah. talks about how he had flung something off a burning hot s'more with yeah, his right. brother, and it gave him whatever degree burns, and it, you know <laughs> it, it ruins the whole weekend, and you got to hike out for st- <laughs> stupid stuff like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what, as I say for like survival. It's the it's like the mistakes that you make, the silly mistakes that end up causing you the most damage. Right. You know, not thinking about something or just you know trying to walk across something you shouldn't. You know, or mm-hmm. or, or yeah, everything is. And and the funny thing, not funny, I guess it's when you're out in nature, everything's a little bit off. So when you're cooking, it's not. You have all your stuff, but it's not totally comfortable, right? Right. You're kind of like hunched down yeah, with a right. really sharp knife and a pot kind of hanging on something or, or right. sitting kind of on the logs. Everything's just just 10% off to where you can really slip up somewhere. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then I think you know, the, the other thing that is a universal understanding is that is uh, people... Um, uh, like overreacting. Yeah. That's it's like when something crazy happens, you have to be able to keep your mind calm, understand what you need to do. How do you, how do you solve this problem instead of right? Uh, right. Don't okay. panic. Yeah. Don't panic. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's number one. Just figure it out. Yeah, but a uh, right. good book. It's got a bunch of lists of stuff and everything. Nice. It's, it's, you know who it is. It's yeah. I mean, if you've seen his show, he's hikes everywhere and goes everywhere and, all his buddies do all that stuff. So you have like the greatest hunters and trappers and wilderness guides all pitching in to coming up with a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool survival book. Nice. Right on. Um, oh, and I think that he named it wilderness skills and survival. So skills first, you know, it's not, so it's, it's more of a, you're learning skills. And he, I think in the forward, he also says how he, it's not to make you paranoid or scared. It's to make you, not so nervous. Right. You know. Yeah. Give you the tools to be able to be comfortable. Yeah. Right. Right on. Cool. Right on. Awesome. All right. Well, we are, uh, had a nice long conversation. <laughs> um, I will, I will end, end with something real quick. So last week, uh, after we recorded, um, I pulled up Instagram or maybe Instagram. Yeah. And I saw that whiskey river was doing a live stream with uh, hmm. J.C. Messer, who's a leather worker. And uh, Whiskey River is going to be doing these like kind of Thirsty Thursdays live streams more often with different people, different makers and things. Hmm. So I popped on and I'm kind of chatting with different people in the chat group and stuff. And uh, and there were all these different makers that I've been following who turns out that they also follow us and me. <laughs> <laughs> and like J.C. Messer sent me a message afterward. He was like, thanks for hanging out. Like, I love your channel. And like Evans Designs, who does um, uh, engraving, and he did like this beautiful engraving on uh, one of Liam Hoffman's axes. Like I told him, I thought it was really awesome. He got kicked off the live stream. So he sent me a message. It was like, hey, I really appreciate your comment. Like, I love your guys' channel. And <laughs> it was really cool to like realize that we, we are a part of this kind of bigger community of makers 
um, that, you know, the more and more we do, the more we interact and the more we put out things out there. And I, this is what I would encourage everyone to like interact with the people that you love because mm. more often than not, if you're putting stuff out there, they've probably already found you and like the stuff that you're doing too. <laughs> like there's right. people who I realize that people that follow us on Instagram, I'm like, Oh, that's this person, you know, like I haven't followed this person, but I love their work and I've seen their YouTube channel and da 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 da. And you know, so really like being open to this community of people who are interested in making things and, and creating things and, and open and willing to spread the information out there and, and to be part of uh, a bigger group, which is what we are in the Makery Network, which is not exactly where I was going. That that was a perfect transition into that. <laughs> <laughs> the Makery Network is an awesome network of podcasts of other you know makers and people who are passionate about making things and passionate about chatting about it and putting more information out there in the world. Um, not gatekeeping, you know, giving people <laughs> the ability to, to do better and make better things and, and be a, a, a contributing member to our uh, culture. So, mm. so you guys can find us there, the Maker Network. You can find us on all of your podcasting platforms. Uh, you can find us on the on YouTube, The Art of Craftsmanship, and you can follow us on Instagram at The Art of Craftsmanship. And like always, if you are inspired to uh, support us in another way. You can support us on Inst on uh, Patreon, where uh, you know all that money that's coming through, the the money that is coming through on Patreon is going right back into the channel to make it better for um, everybody, so that way we can keep putting out things that um, that make other people's ability to make things better. That's the yeah. Goal. We uh, all that money just we we kind of we sit on it until it there's a nice little chunk, then we buy something for the channel. Yep. Cool. All right. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. It's always a pleasure. I was super excited to record today after wa listening and watching the uh, uh, Adam Savage maker talk and just got me inspired. <laughs> and I was excited. And so happy to be here and happy for everyone who's listening. Thank you guys so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure and we will talk to you all next time. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.